In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today's Gospel that the Church proposes to us on this fourth Sunday of Advent is from St. Matthew. Contrast to the last few days which have been from St. Luke. And the difference now is that it relates, we see the perspective of Joseph, who was a descendant of David and presents or represents the link between the figure of Jesus and the Davidic promise. So we'll see that today Matthew begins by telling us that Mary was betrothed to Joseph. So according to the prevailing Jewish law at the time, if you were betrothed, well, you had already established a juridical link between the couple so that Joseph could be called Mary's husband. Mary was Joseph's wife. They were betrothed, even though they had not yet come to get to live together. He had not taken her yet into his home. I suppose it was similar to engagement, but a little bit more juridically solid. So the real step which established the married state was to take her into his home. That was, okay, then you were married, you were no longer betrothed. And uh, this would normally take place about a year after the betrothal, the the moving in together, and uh, that would just seal the marriage. So at this point, Mary and Joseph are betrothed. Well, with regards to the child's origin, Matthew is anticipating something here. As he says this, that they're betrothed, he's anticipating something that Joseph does not know yet. Joseph, when he sees what he sees, when he sees her pregnant, he just has to assume that she's broken the engagement, the betrothal. And so what does he do? Well, he looks at his database uh, of possibilities. And, uh, well, according to the law, what do you do according to the law? Well, yeah, he just has to dismiss her. That's what the law said. And he had a choice between a public juridical act and a private form. So I suppose the same thing when you're accused, you can do a, a public trial or a private trial in front of a judge, whatever. So, what can he do? He can bring, according to the law now, he can bring Mary before the court or he can issue her a private bill of divorce. We know, of course, that Joseph, who knows how long he thought about it, probably thought about it very quickly, but he decides for the latter option, for the bill of divorce, privately. 
And Matthew says, in order not to put her to shame. He sees the choice and Matthew says he did this because he was a just man. That's, that's how Matthew sees that he was a just man, because he chose, he made that choice. But that's not the only way to be just. I mean, when, when St. Matthew refers to Joseph as a just man, that's like a broad statement about what it means to be just. It's really very similar to what we saw last week from Psalm 1 about being blessed. The first Psalm says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. And that's, that's the beautiful kind of canonical image of the just man who meditates on the law. He doesn't sit with scoffers, with sinners. And what we can see is as we conjure up now this figure of St. Joseph this marvelous figure of this man, this just man, this blessed man, that Joseph did indeed draw nourishment from the flowing waters of the living word of God every day. God's law was not something that was somehow imposed on him from the outside that he somehow heard about, but it's something that came deeply from within that he knew and he understood from within it is his it is his joy, he has a loving openness to God, and he has learned to love deep within. Deep within, you could say, the confines of the wisdom of the law. He has a trust in God that is so solid and fills him with genuine hope. That's what makes him just, or you could say makes him blessed. And uh, so as we see that he is in this dilemma now, this dilemma of seeing Mary pregnant and acting the way he did, we ask the Lord also now to give us this deep joy in being able to, with a great great sense of peace, to, to be able to contemplate the law of God, the will of God for us at every moment. And... There's something about the figure of Joseph that always, even in the most difficult moments, give us give us peace, give us joy. Because that feet, that that uh, peace he has is the fruit of something quite deep within him. It's not just external circumstances, things going well, the weather being nicer, or good food, or something like that. There's something very deep in in him, because. You know, we are in a time now where we see a lot of people that are just, they're just unhappy. They don't seem to have tapped into joy. There's this constant sense of entitlement. I demand this. There's a protest about whatever society tells them. 
I said, we have to t- tap into this joy and see how this is compatible with uh, Joseph's d- dramatic decision here. Perhaps one easy way to understand the inner meaning of Advent is to understand all the customs that we have. Almost all the, as far as I know, almost all the customs that we live during Advent are rooted in Scripture. And uh, the Church uses those to help us pray. And it's as though the customs are a translation of the Scriptures. Like, you know, for example, the, the Christmas tree. Like, where does that where is that in scripture well Psalm 96 says then shall all the trees of the wood sing for joy before the Lord for he comes so or even it says the mountains and hills will sing praise before God and all the trees of the wood will clap their hands for the Lord the ruler is coming to rule over them. Imagine trees clapping their hands, singing shouts of joy, the, the trees themselves. Well, that's, that's what the Christmas tree is. That's why we decorate the Christmas tree like that. It's like a visible expressing of the joy of nature, of the trees, kind of like trees clapping their hands. That's where they have bells and, and things like that. You know? And so the Lord is here, and the, our ancestors really believed that the, the trees had to practically go out and meet him, to greet him, to almost bow down. Or the singing of mountains. And this is what we have to ask uh, the Lord. We have to have the, ask that deep joy during this time of Christmas. And sing with the, the Advent wreath. Uh, even one of the things we always... Uh, experience during Christmas is uh, good food and sweets. Christmas baking. Now, you're going to say, that's in the literature, that's in, that's in scripture? <laughs> well, yeah. The prophet Joel says in that day, the mountains will drip with sweetness. <laughs> and the rivers will flow with milk and honey. <laughs> So that's where we get uh, the panettone and all that. Yeah. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of Acacias. That's the prophet Joel. So, so that's why everything we do is based in scripture. Even the panettone. So, so it's good to go back. You know, when we're, we're living all these customs It'll give us joy. It'll help us so the, see the child with hope. You know, even hope for those who are now maybe maybe weighed down by illness, by psychological distress. Yeah, we must let all these signs penetrate our soul deeply. I think that's what Joseph did if we come back to his figure, the figure of Joseph there. And of course, he had those two options of the law. But what did he think when he saw Mary pregnant? He said, okay, I have those two options, the public version, the private version of letting her go. 
they'd not come together again. But it must have been very painful for him because he really did not understand, like, what's going on? I mean, it was such a mystery to him, him knowing Mary and seeing something, something that just, just like didn't make sense to him at all. So, though his task was to apply the law correctly, he clearly does so with love. He does not want to give up Mary to public shame. He wishes her, of course, well, even though he's deeply disappointed. But I don't think he's disappointed in her. He's disappointed in what seems to have happened. He never doubted her at all. And clearly he doesn't stay at the level of externals of the law or any form of legalism. That's what later on Jesus would oppose with the Pharisees and the scribes, that they were always on the edges of the law, like just on the externals. He really is an expression here of unity of life. He's not, as he decides to let her go privately, he's not simply doing something external. He has a deep rectitude here to live the demands of the law. That is, he did something truly internally there. It's as though he was offering the Lord what he deeply desired not to do, but he but he discerned it. Had he been a legalist, he might have been very frightened by what happened after, by the appearance of the angel. What's interesting is that the angel came to Mary, but merely appeared to Joseph in a dream. We've seen those statues that the Pope likes of the sleeping Joseph, right? And that, in that dream that the angel appeared to him, it didn't come to him like a voice in a, in a, in a room or of some kind. It was in a dream. And it was not just his imagination. You know, I always find it difficult when people say to me, Father, I had this dream. What do you think? This is what happened in the dream. I'm trying to figure this out. What do you think? Look, this is is your dream. I don't know what you're trying to... You know, they they make this complicated uh, interpretation. I think that means that I should go out with this girl and and then I mean, you know, and I'm like, no, no, no. It's uh, like dreams, like, are very difficult to discern, you know. I mean, dreams are, are dreams, you know, they're... But that's how the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. And yet he drew meaning and solidity from that. It really shows his great maturity, his capacity to perceive the divine, his capacity to discern what God wanted. Only a man who is inwardly watchful, who lives that unity day of life, who is open and sensitive to the divine, can understand that. Only someone with a real sensitivity sensitivity for God and his ways can receive God's message in that way. 
it's this ability to discern that he has and that was necessary in order to know whether this was just some simple silly dream or whether it was really God's messenger speaking to him who truly came to tell him the most important message of his life. I mean, how can you distinguish this is just a silly dream I had. I was a movie star in the dream and I won the Oscar. Does that mean like I'm going to be a movie star and win the Oscar? How do you tell the difference? Well, most people would say, uh, no, I'm not going to win the Oscar. I'm not going to, I don't know, drive a Mercedes and whatever you might dream about. But it, it is true with something so subtle, it does require openness to the divine. You know, when we sit down, we do our prayer, we sit things through, we exercise our prudence in our decision-making. And really, to properly discern, really in order to come to a solid conviction about our decisions, our apostolate, our way of working, our fraternity, or just to make a fraternal correction, we have to discern, we have to think this out, we have to be open to God. We can't just snap our fingers and I know the answer. That's probably why lately Pope Francis has spoken a lot about discernment. These different elements of discernment that he has had in different audiences. He talks about prayer, self-knowledge. He quite beautifully talks about discernment as reading the, the, the book of life. Reading the book of life. The book of life is something... He says that many people do not do. They don't read their own life. They don't go through the history of their life. You know, it's a very helpful thing when you're on a retreat just to talk about the history of your life. I was born in this city. I grew up, I went to elementary school here. Then I went to high school. And then I, boom, 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 boom. And you go through your life. Then I met this person, I met that person. You know, to go through the, the whole stream of what went through for you to come to be where you are today, to understand why you are even here. You talk about St. Augustine. St. Augustine was a great seeker of truth. And he understood this just by rereading his own life. That's what the confessions are. They're a discernment of the reading of the book of his life. He notes it in, in the silent, the discreet, the incisive the steps of the presence of the Lord in his life and of course he lived a very disordered life in many ways and he notes chapter book 10 book 10 is that famous line where it says you were within and I without and there did I seek you I unlovely rushed heedlessly among the things of beauty you made yet you were within me but I was not with you. See, he, it took him a while to read the book of his life. So, Pope Francis and his audiences really invites us to be humble, to look deeply within us, to be simple, to what he describes as return within yourself, read your life, read yourself inwardly, the path you've taken, read that path with serenity, return within yourself. And I think that's, that's really what St. Joseph did. That's what we have to take out 
from this story of St. Joseph. He read, he went into his life. I met Mary there. I did this. That was what the angel made him see. But it was really him. It was really him understanding that with the light of the Holy Spirit. And that's very important because in this audience that the Pope speaks about discernment, he speaks about the danger of pessimism. Of like being overly negative about ourselves, uh, of uh, just looking at the dark side of the moon all the time, right? And uh, doom and gloom, uh, expecting the worst, being cynical about what's going to happen in the apostolate, in our life, in our health, sort of feeding this uncertainty about our life. Certainly that's something that uh, St. Joseph did not experience, this total uncertainty. And uh, he did not do this. He did not have uncertainty, even with his, when his eyes, seeing Mary, like told him apparently otherwise. He was a man of discernment. This is what Pope Francis says. It's a slightly long um, quote, but it's uh, quite lovely. He says, uh, many times we, ha- we too have had Augustine's experience of finding ourselves imprisoned by thoughts that lead us away from ourselves, stereotypical messages that harm us. For example, I am worthless, and it gets you down. Everything goes wrong with me, and it gets you down. I will never achieve anything worthwhile, and it gets you down. It, this becomes your life. These pessimistic phrases that get you down Reading one's own history also means recognizing the presence of these toxic elements, but then broadening our narrative, learning to notice other things, making it richer, more respectful of complexity, succeeding also in grasping the discrete ways in which which God acts in our life. He says, I once knew a person who people said deserved the Nobel Prize in negativity. (laughs) The Nobel Prize in negativity. He says, uh, everything was bad. Everything, everything, everything. He had always tried to put himself down. He was a bitter person, and yet he had many qualities. And then this person found another person who helped him. And every time he complained about something, the other person used to say, but now... To compensate, say something good about yourself. And he would say, well, yes, I also, okay, I have this quality. And bit by bit, this helped him move forward to read well his own life, both the bad things and the good things. We must read our life, and by doing so, we see the things that are not good and also things that God sows in us. Joseph saw the bad things, what apparently seemed bad, but now he saw them in discernment through a new positive life, a new prism. So we too, we must read the book of our life. Don't just dwell you know, on one specific action, one punctual thing. That's, Joseph could have just said, wait, she's present, that she's pregnant, that changes everything. We have to see our life in context. You're living here in Lincroft with your time, with your work, with your jobs. You have to 
grasp the nuances, the details which can reveal themselves and all these details, they can be valuable aids for us to discern. It's, it's a way to stop, to acknowledge, to go deeper in our life. Like when, when we're reading, we've got to read. We've got to read books. Of course, we've got to read spiritual reading. But I mean, more than just spiritual reading. Otherwise, we only have spiritual reading thoughts in our head. You know, we have to read adventures. We have to read novels. We have to read uh, political science, history. Uh, okay, not always, but I mean, you know, a little bit, you know. <laughs> And the way you make that act of service, uh, that task you have, that job, that chore, that conversation you had, that chat you had, the encounter with somebody you met. Maybe at first sight these things seem of little importance, but with time they can transmit inner peace, they transmit a joy, and really suggest further good initiatives. You know, that's what the Pope says, you know, getting used to rereading our life really kind of educates our outlook, it sharpens our outlook, it enables us to note the small little miracles that our good God works in us every day. Would that you notice those miracles? Me too. Sometimes just having a family over and they're clapping their hands and they're having a good time and, well, how am I going to read that? Because when we realize this, we notice other possible directions, you know, that that could strengthen our inner taste, our peace, our creativity. Above all, we, I mean, we have to be free from these toxic stereotypes, lamenting ourselves where we are. The Pope said, Wisely it has been said that the man who does not know his own past is condemned to repeat it. It is strange. If we do not know the path we have taken, the past, we always repeat it. We go round and round in circles. The person who walks in circles never goes forward. This is not progress. It's like a dog who chases his own tail. He always goes this way. And repeats things. We want to go forward. Joseph went forward. And uh, the angel in that dream, which he had to discern, right? I mean, it, it was a dream. He had to discern. Was this good? Was this bad? Was this, do I follow this? Do I not? Do I still bring her to the law or what? It must have been quite overwhelming for him. It must have been an extraordinary occasion to live faith to live hope, but above all, to discern, to, where do I go? And since he was used to discerning, since he was a just man, I mean, he, it was cool. It was cool. It was okay. He had already discerned this. He would say, okay, how has God really intervened here? Is it possible that this dream really taps me into a truth surpassing anything that I've ever imagined? He must have struggled. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary into your, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He must have been, wow. It was a dream that was tailor-made for him. And of course, 
the law has many things that are tailor-made for you and me in our days. We have to read the, the, the book of our life. Well, that's St. Joseph. You know, they got a little statue the Pope has of the sleeping Joseph. He puts little notes underneath his head when he, when he needs uh, him to pray for something. Well, let's ask St. Joseph to help us now in this time where many people are going on, on retreats and stuff, right? to, to help us discern, to discover the book of life and what are the little miracles that the Lord has performed there. He'll guide us. He'll give us discernment and prudence. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you all to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.